I'll read from John 7 and following, 45 and following. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Good morning again. Um, thankful this morning. I forgot to give a shout out to our children's church that's joining us this morning. Hello. Glad you're here with us this morning. My kids are in here this morning. That's pretty cool. Uh, glad to be worshiping together this morning. Uh, if you weren't here last week, we started a three-part series on Nicodemus. Uh, we're talking about his interactions with Jesus through the lens of discipleship. Uh, right? What it means to be a disciple, how one becomes a disciple, how you can be better at discipling others, all through the lens of of discipleship. And last week, just to recap, we talked about the word dissonance, right? And some of you might not have known that word before. We, we, we defined it as a lack of harmony between musical notes. But we realize also sometimes in life that we can have a lack of harmony within ourselves, that we can have a lack of harmony within our own thoughts. That dissonance, that cognitive dissonance brings us to a place that we didn't expect to be. And we took away two things last week. The first is that we need dissonance. That without dissonance, Nicodemus would not have approached Jesus the way that he did. We need dissonance as well. And the second thing that we kind of came to is that we need to invite dissonance from other people. Right? When we have conversations with people, we need to invite questions. Invite that lack of harmony, whatever's going on in their minds, to bring that to Jesus and see what Jesus has to say about it. And so today we're going to continue talking about Nicodemus, and we're going to talk about a different word. And the word is discord. Maybe I'm a vocabulary teacher this past couple of weeks to you, uh, but the question is, what is discord? Okay, very simple disagreement between people. You might have used this term to talk about your family sometimes. There's discord within the family. Um, I know there's, a, there's an app now that's called Discord, it's, it's very similar to message boards that used to be popular in the early 2000s. But I think the purpose of it is to argue in, in one place, to create discord uh, about things that you might like. But this morning, we're going to see this as a next step. Okay, we had dissonance last week, this lack of harmony. Discord is that next step that we just saw Nicodemus take. A verbal disagreement amongst people. And uh, we, we, I, I, I want to remind us that we all at some point in our lives have been Nicodemus, right? And we talked last week about how there's many times where we might go back to the beginning and have dissonance over and over again. We all kind of see ourselves in the story of Nicodemus. And uh, what role does discord have in the life of Nicodemus? It's a very, very big role, okay? Let's check back in with, with Nicodemus here, okay? Time passes, but Jesus is doing the same old, same old, right? He's teaching and frustrating people at the same time, okay? This is what happens uh, going on with Nicodemus. Uh, he's giving hope to some people, and he's giving chaos to others. 
Thus the people were divided of Jesus, because of Jesus, because they wanted to seize him, or some wanted to seize him. But no one laid a hand on him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked him, why didn't you bring him in? No one has ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. The thing that I want to get to is that people didn't know what to do with Jesus. Right? He's teaching, he's giving hope to some people, but the people who seem to be in charge want nothing to do with him. They want him gone. They want him out of the picture. And like we talked about last week, Nicodemus is part of that group of people. And we talked last week about how that dissonance brought him to talk to Jesus at night. That dissonance is going to lead him to a period of discord, okay? And this response by the, chief, excuse me, by the temple guards really frustrated the Pharisees, okay? This is their response. You mean he has deceived you also, you dumb, dumb men, right? The Pharisees retorted, have you, or excuse me, have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Two things about the Pharisees that we pick up on them, okay? The first thing is that the Pharisees cannot be deceived or be wrong about anything. Do you guys know anybody like that? Maybe, maybe not. Okay, maybe you don't. Okay. The Pharisees cannot be deceived. It's physically impossible for the Pharisees to be deceived or for them to be wrong. Look at this. They deceived you also. They pulled the wool over your eyes, you dumb, dumb men. How could that possibly happen? We are the people who are right. They cannot be deceived or be wrong. And the second thing that the Pharisees assume here is that there's no Pharisees that fall in line with what Jesus is teaching. Right? In my Bible, where it says, uh, have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? No. In my Bible, I put yes, says Nicodemus. Right? There's a little bit of uh, dissonance even among their number that they're not really aware of. But the Pharisees, they assume that they cannot be deceived. They assume that none of the Pharisees can be with Jesus. And the, the other assumption that, that's kind of like a part B to this is that they're, all, they're stuck in that mindset that we talked about with Nicodemus last week. Right? When Jesus approaches Nicodemus, he says that flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. There's a difference there. Right? And we talked last week about how flesh is going to continually give birth to flesh. The Pharisees are going to give birth to more Pharisees. But what Jesus offers Nicodemus and what he offers us is a different way. That instead of flesh continually breeding flesh, there's a spiritual thing that can change everything. The Pharisees aren't there yet because the Pharisees can't be wrong. The Pharisees can't be deceived. There's a problem there. In response, Nicodemus has two options, okay? We need to see ourselves as Nicodemus here. He sees the situation take place. They're yelling at the temple guards. They're going after Jesus. Nicodemus has two options in response to what's taking place. The first thing is that he can fade into the background and just be a Pharisee like he's been for a long time. The path of least resistance is very, very good. I love the path of least resistance, okay? Sometimes it's not bad. But he could just fade into the darkness and say, you know what? I visited Jesus at night. Nobody ever saw me do it. We're good. I'm a Pharisee. These are my guys. I'll be with them. That's the first option. The the second option is he can choose discord. And I know what you think. Is this really count as discord? 
does it count what he says here as being a disagreement among people? Because all he says, look, look, let's look at it. Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? Does that count as discord? Does that count as a disagreement? Sometimes in our minds, a disagreement has to be shouting and a very like, counter-argument to whatever someone else said. But listen to what, what Nicodemus says here, in and among the people that he has aligned himself with for so long. Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him out? The Pharisees don't want to hear that. That is for sure a sign of discord for, uh, for Nicodemus. And this is very profound. Why is this so profound? I have a video clip I'm about to show. It's a couple minutes. But I want you to put yourself in the position of the woman in this video. And I think it's going to tell you why Nicodemus' response is so profound. To answer that question, we set up a hidden camera experiment to see if this woman would stand up at the sound of this tone simply because everyone else is. You might be thinking you'd never go along with this. Or would you? After just three beeps, and without knowing why she's doing it, this woman is now conforming perfectly to the group. But what happens if we take the group away? Elaine, please. Okay, now she's alone, the crowd is gone, and nobody is watching her, except our hidden cameras. What do you think she'll do? She's now conforming to the rules of the group without them even being there. Now, watch what happens when we introduce another outsider who doesn't know the rules. Have a seat and they'll be out in just a couple minutes. Thanks so much. Think she'll teach the new guy what to do? We kept the cameras rolling as more unsuspecting patients arrived. Slowly but surely, what began as a random rule for this woman has now become the social norm for everyone in this waiting room. All right, so be honest with yourself right now. What would you do in the situation if you were the woman in the purple shirt? I would probably stand up. I would, it would probably wouldn't have taken me as long as it took her, honestly. I'd probably, but this is just what we do here, I guess. We stand up. Uh, 
And actually, the rest of the interview goes on, and they, they ask her, why did you do it? And she said, I thought I was supposed to. And so let's take this experiment, this social experiment they did on this poor, unsuspecting woman, and look at what Nicodemus has to go through. It's profound the discord that he goes against his group because it's extremely hard to go against the group. It's extremely hard to go against your people. And she doesn't even know these people. And it was extremely difficult for her to go against these people because she thought she was supposed to stand up when the beep went off. When we look at what Nicodemus does here, something radical happens. Because we, we look at that and we said, is it even in discord what he says? But that little question that he asked of his group allowed his group to see something about Nicodemus that he had not shown them before. Because this is their response to what Nicodemus says. Are you from Galilee too? All Nicodemus says is, hey guys, we have a set of rules that we said we're going to live by. Shouldn't we hold him to a standard that we ourselves set? And even from that little questioning that he did against his group, the people said, are you from Galilee too? They recognized what Nicodemus did as genuine discord, as genuine aligning himself with something other than the pharisaical way of life that he has been living for so long. That is what we're called to do. That type of discord. And that is why it's so profound. They now associate Nicodemus with the work and the life of Jesus. Before he went to Jesus at night, and now his own people see him as one of Jesus' disciples. Nicodemus doesn't have to do this, but dissonance led to discord for Nicodemus. That lack of harmony in his mind led to a verbal, outspoken source of discord among his group. His identity has been changed. I want to compare. This is a very, very key comparison for the life of Nicodemus. Let's look in John chapter 3, the one on your left. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Compared to John 7:50, what we read this morning, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, "Do you see the difference?" Nicodemus's identity when he first met Jesus was first and foremost a Pharisee and a member of the Jewish ruling council. But when he has this episode of discord among his group, his very identity shifts and it changes. Nicodemus, he's the guy who went to Jesus at night. He's the one who went to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number. I don't think the English translation does it justice. If you have time later, go to the interlinear uh, translation on, on anywhere, online. Type in interlinear translation of John 750. And there's a clear distinction that Nicodemus is no longer part of the Pharisees in his mind. He might be in body, but it's, something's different about this man. He was one of their number. Now he's the man who went to Jesus earlier. No longer identified as a Pharisee. No longer identified as a member of the Jewish ruling council. Nicodemus is just different. And the question is why? Why is Jesus different? And the question that I kind of want us to land on that I think is going to tie this all together is why is discord important in our path to discipleship?
Because that's the lens we're looking through, discipleship. Inner thoughts become outward actions. Okay, Jesus says this all the time, you know. Where your heart is, you know, that, that's, that's what's important. Your mouth will speak of where your heart is. Inner thoughts become outward actions. No longer can this Christian life for, not Christian life because that's not what they're being called yet, right? This discipleship of Jesus can no longer be a private thing that Nicodemus holds within himself, right? He has now verbally spoken his allegiance to Jesus. Not necessarily the same way that we would say today, but there is something different about Jesus. He is no longer the Pharisee or the member of the Jewish ruling council. He is the guy, are you from Galilee too? That verbal outspoken, that inward thought becomes outward action for Nicodemus and it changes the trajectory of his life. And the same thing can be said of us. How many of you, I'm going to include myself in this, get to your New Year's resolution, you make an idea or a goal you want to set and you don't tell anybody about it. Anybody? I know I have. Why do we do that? Because nobody's going to know. <laughs> When I don't run, or when I eat too much pizza, or goldfish, <laughs> right? Side note, somebody left a bunch of goldfish on my desk. I don't know who it was, but I like you. Okay. Um, why do we do that? It's because we have no accountability. Uh, there, there's no reason for me to tell anybody, oh, I'll keep myself under control. I won't eat that donut. I won't eat too many carbs, or whatever it might be. But oftentimes when we set goals like that, nothing actually happens. It's when you tell somebody that you care what they think about you is when change actually happens, right? It's that verbal commitment. I'm reading this book right now called Influence, and it's about the different ways people have influence on other people. And this woman, uh, she had tried to quit smoking for years. And then a month later, she would start again. A month later, she would start again. And it was always an inner thing. But then she decided, you know what, I'm, I'm taking this serious. I'm going to handwrite a note and mail it to people. This is a while back when, you know, you're like mailing things. Like, I'm going to mail things. It was a very physical act, right? It wasn't verbal, but it, she was putting her, her words on paper, signing her name. I am not going to smoke. And that's what worked for her. The inner discipline was not enough for her. And I'm going to say for most of us, it's not enough. And when it comes to being a disciple of Christ, it's impossible. Because if we don't have community, if we don't have verbal, you know, authority saying, I belong to Jesus, then that means nothing to our Christian walks. You can't be a private Christian, okay? That's what I'm getting at. You can't have a private only relationship with Christ. You definitely need to have a private, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, but you can't keep it to yourself, is what I'm saying. Inner thoughts become outward actions when we embrace discord. That's the first thing. The second thing is that discord produces growth. So if you hold your Christian values and your Christian thoughts to yourself, and you never, never share them with anybody else, guess who you become? The Pharisees that can't be wrong or can't be deceived, right? Right? If you just keep those things to yourself and you never allow yourself to be challenged, you're not going to grow. That's why so many times in churches you'll see people who have the same faith they had when they were baptized at 10 or 11 years old because they were never challenged to grow. Discord makes you grow. 
when you say, I believe this, and someone says, actually, you're wrong for that, and then you're able to have a dialogue, that's where growth takes place. And guess what? You might be wrong. And guess what? That's okay. As long as you're on this journey of growth. As long as you're pursuing discord for the purpose of growth. And I want to say this, too. Discord, for discord's sake, is not okay. When you all get on Facebook and just try to post something that's controversial for no reason, why are you doing that? Are you building up the kingdom? Definitely not. Okay? I'm sorry, I get, I get pumped up about that. But sometimes when we post things about our opinions, we don't ask ourselves, why am I posting this? Why am I actually saying this? Why am I putting this out there for everybody to see if I'm not trying to build somebody up? Oh, I got to get the news out there. I got to get the sources out there. Is that your job? No, it is not. Sometimes we create discord to create discord. But if you're creating discord for the sake of growth, it's going to look a lot different. It's going to be personal. It's going to be communal with people you love and you trust to help each other grow, not for the sake of creating discord. A big difference there. And when it comes to discipleship, when it comes to following Christ, we need this to grow. We need to be challenged. Along with dissonance and discord comes growth. And so we leave Nicodemus this morning in this place where I, I love how they leave. It's like a cliffhanger for Nicodemus, right? Let's go back here real quick. It's like a cliffhanger for Nicodemus. What's going to happen to him? Because we know the Pharisees are after Jesus. What are they going to do to Nicodemus? Are you from Galilee too? The way I imagine Nicodemus is that it's like he's jumped off the cliff and there's no going back now. The truth is out there. His allegiance has been put forward and his life's about to be radically different. And for us, I know that can be scary when we verbally say what's going on in our hearts and we verbally claim Jesus as our Christ and as our king. That's scary. But the good thing is that Jesus isn't going to be like the Pharisees. Our church community should definitely not be like the Pharisees. We should be the people saying, you know what, we're, we're in this together. How can we journey together in this path of discipleship and learn to be more like Christ together? That is what we're called to do. That is what discord in the, in the path of discipleship should bring us to. Not discord for discord's sake. Not argument for argument's sake, but discord for the sake of bringing on discipleship and deeper commitment to our faith in Jesus. Yeah, that's all I got for you. Um, but I, wanna, I wanted to uh, leave you all with a prayer this morning because I don't want this just to be a thing that we just say in here and we don't bring out there because if we're just discipling each other, that's great. But we got to be able to take this energy and bring it to the people who are in our lives. And again, not bringing up discord in the break room just for the sake of discord, but for the sake of building faithful relationships to look more like Christ. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for giving us the example of Nicodemus. And everything I said this morning is scary to me. I don't like to have conflict. I know a lot of people don't like to have conflict, but God... We're not being asked to just create conflict for conflict's sake. We're, we're, we're being, I think, brought into a relationship to where we can say something about you and not be afraid of what the response might be. 
that this discord brings us to a deeper level of discipleship and looking more like Christ. Help us together as a church family see this as one of our missions to have spiritual conversations, to emulate Christ in all that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have any needs this morning, we ask you to come forward. If you want to be baptized, if you want a prayer, if you want to say something good that's happening in your life, that's what this time is for. If you want to come forward, come forward. If you want to stay where you are, stay where you are. If you want to see somebody that you love and trust and just talk to them, I encourage you to do that this morning as we come and as we stand and sing.